Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Morning, everybody. Uh, so not only is it's a special Sunday today, not only are we really honored to have Christoph with us, and thanks, Alicia. Um, we have another guest with us here today who hasn't come uh, from quite as far as Rwanda, but she has come from the far lands of Woodside, Queens, to be with us this morning. So uh, Denise Rosorokai and her husband Connor with us today. Denise is one of the pastors at uh, Hope Astoria, and we're really excited to have her with us to share the word today. So why don't you welcome Denise as she comes up. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Oh, you guys, it's such a warm welcome. Thank you so much. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. I feel like we could just sit with what Christoph said, and that would be enough for more than enough for this Sunday. I mean, it's, yeah, so powerful, just the testimony and the work that they're doing. Um, it's actually a little difficult to transition from that even to thinking about anything else. It's so powerful. The, incredible work that God is doing through that organization and what it could speak to us of who this God is that we're getting to know and press into. Um, well, um, back to the mundane. Um, I'm, I'm Denise, and um, I'm here from Hope Astoria, as, uh, as Nathan so uh, warmly introduced. And uh, some of you might know uh, the lead pastor here, Russell, he actually was at Hope Astoria for a bit when he first moved to New York and was thinking about getting this church started. And a few folks here, I see some familiar faces who also were actually at Hope Astoria for a time and then came together with Russell to help this church, Hope Brooklyn get started. And so it's especially a joy for me to get to be here with you guys and see this wonderful community that's been created, just like ooing and aahing over all the different things you've got, your beautiful small group map, and all your volunteers are so like warm and welcoming. And so anyway, it's, it's just, it's really a joy to get to be here with you guys. Well, uh, you guys have been in the midst of a sermon series called The Way of Jesus, and I've had the privilege of tuning into that series through your podcast and getting to hear some of what Russell's been speaking about over the last several weeks. And the premise of this series, if you're new here, if you're just coming into the series, is based on really an idea by Nobel Prize winning physicist Erwin Schrodinger, who uh, posited that for any organism to be alive, it has to consume. And whatever it consumes, it turns into energy. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that there's such an abundance of life that's really distinct from other historical figures. And so as we look at him, we might kind of wonder, what did he consume? What enabled him to live such an abundant, full life? Because I'll have whatever he's having. Right? And so uh, as, we, as we look at his life, we hear him actually tell us that his secret sauce, the way that he's able to, to live such an abundant life, is really through keeping a, a constant connection with God the Father, the creator God. And he tells us that he really only does what he sees his Father doing. And so over the last several weeks, you guys have been looking together at some practices that could help us to, to press into that connection with God. And so you've looked at solitude, which is really... Um, taking time out and, and space and making a commitment to just create time to spend with God uh, and really going beyond even just having words and conversation with God, but really doing life with him. And then for a couple weeks, you spent time looking at prayer and um, really looking at how we can be very authentic with God, our true selves, laying bare what's 
on our hearts, it's on our minds, coming even as children to a parent with that kind of freedom. And then last week, Russell unpacked the, the idea of worship. And he shared that uh, this idea that Christ impoverished himself. He's God in heaven, but he gave all of that up to come and, and enter into all the mess and the painfulness of, of human experience and even die so that in rising again, he could offer this, this free gift of love and life that, that he wants to make available to all of us. And that we're invited to respond in kind by releasing whatever we might be holding on to because we can tend to feel like it's our striving that makes life work, that there's not quite enough and we need to grasp onto what we've got. And there's this invitation to release, and in that releasing to create space to receive this gift, this gift of love, this gift of peace. And so what we're going to talk about today, I think, follows very naturally on what Russ spoke about last week, because what we're going to talk about today is all about releasing, quite literally. Because we're going to be talking about a practice today that is the, the wonderful, terrible, you know, terrific, awful, great, horrendous okay, practice of fasting. Fasting. And it is horrendous because it involves giving up something that we would usually like or rely on, and that's pretty uncomfortable. But it's also great because it, it's a practice that can help us to increase our desire to connect with God, increase our connection with God. And so that's pretty great. All right, so as we take a look at this practice this morning, I'd like to start first by just defining fasting, because that word might have a lot of different associations for us. It might conjure up a lot of different ideas. And for some of us as well, it might just be something we're unfamiliar with. And so let's start by defining fasting. Now, fasting has often been associated with um, abstaining from food, and uh, that certainly is a form of fasting. It's pretty common. But as we talk about fasting today, we're going to be looking at it um, in its broadest sense. And so we're defining fasting today as voluntarily denying ourselves of something we'd ordinarily rely on in our day-to-day -day lives. Okay, so voluntarily denying ourselves of something that we'd ordinarily rely on in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, that could certainly include food or categories of food like dessert or meat or carbs or coffee. And it can also include other things that we might come to rely on like checking social media, watching our favorite TV show, following our favorite sports team. So it can kind of be broad. Now, we're in a sermon series, again, called The Way of Jesus, and as we look at Jesus' life, we see that he fasted. He starts out his public ministry with actually a pretty extended fast, and um, throughout his ministry, there's indication he fasted, and he also teaches on fasting. And so, uh, at one point, when he's, teaches on, when he's teaching on fasting, this is what he says, and this is from Matthew, which is a book of the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus, and it says in Matthew chapter 6, that Jesus said this, he said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, that is God, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So we see here that Jesus starts out by saying, when you fast, when you fast. And implicit in that is kind of an assumption that the people he's talking to will be fasting, that this is a practice that they would routinely engage in, that they would find kind of normal to have as part of their rhythms of life. 
And so that might kind of beg the question then, who is he talking to? Because for some of us, perhaps we um, might associate fasting as being a of an extreme religious practice, like something that's advanced for people who are super serious, like monks or ascetics, you know. <laughs> but what we see in this story is that Jesus is actually talking to ordinary people. Okay, he's been teaching for a bit. He's gotten kind of famous. Crowds have started following him. He sees those crowds. He decides to sit down on a mountainside. People gather to him. Whoever wants to hear his teaching gathers around, and he talks to all of them. And he tells them about giving to those in need, certainly something that we would all find applicable for all of us. He talks to them about prayer, again, something very open uh, to all. And he talks to them about fasting, kind of all in the same breath. And so we see that Jesus is talking to ordinary people, people who don't like to get out of bed, people who really like to eat and like watching TV and don't want to give up chocolate, you know, people who are just like you and me. Now, as we're talking about fasting, if there is you know, something about it that makes you feel just a little on edge, a little uncomfortable, or you're kind of wondering a bit, I want to say that that might be for good reason. That might really be for good reason, because you take any practice, however good and helpful it might be, and you take human brokenness and you mix them together, and the result is like weird. <laughs> weirdness results. And we see that Jesus, in his teaching, acknowledges this. He actually begins talking about fasting by first talking about kind of how not to fast. It's like he's acknowledging that it's so easy for us when we engage in this practice, or really any spiritual practice, to mix it with some attitudes that can just take all the helpfulness and usefulness out of the practice. And so this morning as we begin, I thought it would actually be helpful as well to begin in the same place, to talk about some misconceptions of fasting and to talk about what fasting is not, to start there. And so fasting is not brownie points. It's not like, uh, okay, I fasted, and so now, God, you think, like, you've given me a thousand points, right? You think a little more highly of me. You love me and favor me a little more. The Bible tells us that God's love for us is unchanging and constant. Okay, so we can't do anything to earn more of it. It's in fact intrinsic to our, 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 our value, is intrinsic before God. It's, it's uh, based on the fact that he created us, we're his children, and so we can't do anything more to earn more of it. We can't do anything to lose it as well. It simply is. He loves us for who we are, not for what we do. And so we're not fasting to earn brownie points with God. We're also not fasting as a form of magic to somehow manipulate God into doing what we want. Like, oh, I fasted, so now he'll do that thing I'm really seeking him for. Right? God is not a vending machine, you know, put in one week of fasting, get out the boyfriend that you really want. It's just not, that's not really, that's not how God works. You know, really by definition, if he's God, he's going to do what he big picture sees is right and good. That's way beyond what we can think and we really can't control or manipulate him. So it's not magic. It's also not show. Okay, so it's not a religious performance to say, look at me, I have the moral high ground, I am fasting. You know? Or even within our own hearts to say, gosh, I, I'm fasting. I must be pretty spiritual. Let me, you know, let me pat myself on the back. You know, right? Jesus speaks really directly to this in his teaching and says that if we come with that kind of attitude, it's really not going to be a very useful practice for us. And I also want to um, just highlight here that, that Jesus goes on to kind of give some instruction to do it in a way that isn't showy, that's in secret. 
And I just want to say that, that that doesn't mean that we're then meant to, to kind of go to the other extreme and now be super legalistic about no one can know if I'm fasting. Because we can kind of go extreme in that direction as well. We can go extreme in all kinds of ways. We're so capable of that. And so that would be kind of missing the heart of what he's after here, which is really to say that with a practice of fasting, and again, really with any spiritual practice, it's important that we check our motives, that we check our hearts, that we see why is it that we're doing this, and that we come with a sincere approach in order to really benefit from it. All right, so fasting is not, it's not brownie points, not magic, it's not show. It's also not ritual. Okay, so it's not something that we simply do because every year at this time we do it, or everyone around us is doing it, so we kind of feel peer pressure. It's not groupthink. It's not just a religious practice that we're doing because it's routine and it's ritual, a kind of mindlessness. That's not, that's not the purpose of fasting either. All right, there's still more. Fasting is also not punishment. It's not something that we're doing because we feel bad about something that we did and we're trying to make up for it. And so we're kind of punishing ourselves and denying ourselves of something to kind of make up for that guilt. Actually, in the Christian faith, what we're told is that Jesus tells us he wants to take all of that burden on himself. He wants to pay the price that we really can't pay for anything we've ever done wrong. And so we're not fasting in order to make up for something or out of guilt or out of punishment. And then last but not least, fasting is not a diet. It's not a diet. If you give up social media, it is not going to help your waistline. And if you give up even food, because it's for a limited period of time, and you're really going to, after you're done fasting, probably go right back to your normal patterns of eating and routines, it's not a way for, to gain any permanent weight loss. Really, it's not, you know, for anybody who's kind of hoping, oh, fasting and dieting, maybe I can mix them together. <laughs> They're really two different purposes. Okay, so if you want to lose weight, diet. And if you want to fast and, and kind of gain this spiritual benefit, then fast. That's what, what fasting is for. All right, so we have just gone through a litany of things that fasting is not, and um, there's probably more, but let's turn our attention now to then, if fasting is not all these things, what is fasting? What is it for? And, and let's keep in mind that, you know, people throughout history, followers of Jesus, have engaged in this practice, and that is noteworthy because it's very much against human nature. Like, people don't go around just saying, you know what I want to do today? I want to go hungry. Now, what I want to do, I want to give up the thing I enjoy, maybe for a while. You know, people don't do that. It's just very much against human nature. So people are doing this. There has got to be some kind of significant benefit to make it worth the pain, the intrinsic cost that it involves. So what is that? Why, why fast? Well, my short answer is that we fast in order to recognize the needs of our soul and to expand our connection with God. Okay? We fast in order to recognize the deep longings of our soul, the needs of our soul, and to expand our connection with God. And so how does that happen? How does fasting accomplish that? Well, to answer that, let's look at how fasting works. Okay? When you fast, what happens? For some of us, we might hope that if we were to ever engage in a practice like this, that um, our hope would be to have some kind of a, an encounter with God while we're fasting. And that can happen. Sometimes that happens where just because of your intentionality, creating time and space to, to connect with God, that um, you do have some kind of a, a spiritual experience, an encounter that is different. So sometimes that happens, but not always. 
not always. In fact, I would even go so far as to say often it doesn't happen, where, where you can go through an entire um, you know, time of fasting that you've decided to engage in and not have like this mountaintop experience with God while you're fasting. But there is something that you can bank on experiencing pretty much every time you fast. Almost every time you fast, you're going to experience this, and that is discomfort. Discomfort, okay? If you're giving up food, getting hungry. If you're giving up TV, feeling restless. If you're giving up coffee, getting a caffeine headache. No, Jesus himself fasted, and the Bible says when he was done fasting, what happened? He was hungry. That's what he experienced as well. He also experienced discomfort. And so it's very typical that if you're fasting, you might feel a little less resourced, maybe a little grumpy, a grouchy, thinking about how the thing that you're fasting from, wishing that you weren't fasting. These are all very normal, typical experiences when you're fasting and what you can expect, some of what you can expect. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that when we fast, and especially when we're coming at it with a sincere heart that, and we're feeling led by God to it, that, that God does give a grace to help us as we fast. And actually, we need that because it is a bit tough. And so I think he can help sustain us in it. But that said, if we're fasting and like, we're not experiencing any discomfort at all, you might kind of wonder a bit, what exactly are you fasting from? Are you fasting from exercise? No. Are you fasting from that food that you never eat, like Brussels sprouts? You know, <laughs> like, what exactly are you doing? That there's zero discomfort, right? There'd be something a little off with that. So the point is, okay, the point is that if we're engaging in this practice, there's going to be some discomfort. And that discomfort is actually exactly what's needed to jolt us awake and to alert us to some things that we otherwise might not pay attention to. Okay, so for example, um, there was a time where I was uh, fasting and I was giving up hot beverages. And... Um, it was, it, was one of the, it was a while ago, it was one of the first times I was doing that particular kind of fast. And to be honest, I didn't think it would be that hard. I'd start most mornings with a cup of tea, it's usually decaf. I was like, ah, it'd probably be okay, until I started doing it. <laughs> and then I realized how much my morning routine means to me. It's like this steaming hot cup of comfort, you know, <laughs> in the morning that I'm giving up. And then we realize, well, what, what needy, whiny people we can become from just a small change in our routine and how just that taking away that little thing can really make a difference in our mood. And then as we are faced with that, that, that bit of de deprivation and discomfort, it really causes us to realize how attached we can become to material things, perhaps more than we might care to admit or we might realize. And uh, whatever we're giving up, even if it's something small like TV or coffee or whatever it might be, kind of becomes a symbol of all our attachment to the, the comforts and material things of this world. Because if I'm that attached to my tea or to dessert, how much more attached do you think I am to, to my bank account, my apartment or my job? And those are all good things, and many are necessary things, but none of them are the most important things in life. Like my job is not the most important thing in life. My apartment, my 
comforting cup of tea. These are not the most important things. And so it really forces us to, to come face to face. Every time we, we're giving something up and we're jolted again by that discomfort, we come face to face with this question of what am I really banking my life and my happiness on? And is life really about getting more of these things, more comfort, more security, more ease? Is that what life is all about or is there more to life than that? And when I remove something, right, when, I, when, I, when I choose to voluntarily deny myself as something I'd ordinarily rely on, it reminds me that all these creature comforts, these material things, even true necessities like food, they aren't what my soul wants the most deeply, what my soul craves for and hungers for the most intensely. And they're not a guarantee of the, that longing being met. They're not a guarantee that I'll be able to have a thriving and abundant life, that I'll, that I'll get, have the peace that I'm longing for, that I'll, I'll be activated in the ways I long for. And really, I think there's a universal human desire in the heart of every person walking this earth where we want to be valued for who we are and we want to be met. We want to be met by a love that will never fail us. But as we're going through our daily life, especially here in New York, I mean, the city is so active, it's so blaring, it's so busy, we're not necessarily thinking at all or very often about these, these cries of our soul, you know, these bigger picture questions of life. What's really important? What really matters? We're just thinking about how to get to work and, and get things done and fix each task and get through our chores and maybe have a little time for leisure and get to bed so that we have enough energy to get up the next day and start it all over again. And we can be on such a treadmill and, and lost in kind of the fog of routine. This practice of fasting jolts us awake because of that discomfort, that, that break from our regular rhythms that says, wait a second, wait a second. Life is not just all about this, just keeping up this treadmill. There's more that my soul is longing for, and I actually want to pay attention to that. And I want to prioritize that. I don't want that just to be forever backburnered. I actually want to give time and energy and press into that. Even if it costs me a little something, I want to do that. And so as we fast, we're exercising this muscle and kind of building within us this strength, this resolve that says, I want to choose for what's even better in life. I want to go after that. I want to press in. And if there is one who is telling me, if God is telling me, if Jesus is inviting me and saying, come connect with me, I want to satisfy you. I want to meet that, that need, that desire for that, that unfailing love. I want to give you a peace and a hope that goes beyond your circumstances. Then I want to press into that. I want to taste that. I want to taste and see for myself that that's real and good. I want more of that. Now, all of us here, we're in all different places in our spiritual journeys. All different places. Some of us might be wondering, you know, does God even really exist? I'm trying to figure that out. Some of us might be wondering, is Jesus really who he says he is? I'm trying to figure that out. Some of us are saying, hey, I really like Jesus and I'd like more of him. Wherever we're at in the spiritual spectrum this morning, I want to say, welcome, and you're in the right place. This is the home. This is a place you can belong. And it is totally fine to be exactly where you're at. And wherever we're at this morning, Jesus has the same thing to say to all of us about this practice of fasting, which is that it's a tool that we can, if we want, engage in to, 
to jolt us awake out of that, that rat race of life and help us to pay attention to our soul's longings. Help us to detach from those things that might be, we might be a little more attached to than we, we really want. And help us to press in to, to getting those, those deep cries of our soul met and, and responding. You know, if, if God's inviting to say, well, then I want to explore that. I want to check that out. Or if God's saying he has this to offer, then I want to taste and see for myself. Is it really what he says? Is it really so good? Or if I'm already experiencing that, I want more. Whatever a next step is for each of us, whatever that looks like for where we're at today, that's that invitation that's available. There was a, a sermon that I, I heard a, a while ago, and uh, a gentleman was talking about this topic of fasting, and he was describing his own experience of it. And the way he described it really impacted and resonated with me, such that I remember it to this day. And um, he talked about how he would get away every now and then. He needed some time and space away. I'm sure we can all relate to that. <laughs> And, and during his times away, he would sometimes choose to fast. And in his case, he would choose a fast that was actually a fast from food. And so during that time, surprise, surprise, he would get very hungry. <laughs> and he would also talk to God. And just as, you know, you've heard in previous weeks, he would talk to God in a very raw and authentic way about whatever was on his mind. And what was on his mind was food and how hungry he was. So he would talk to God about that. And he would uh, have this conversation with God and tell God about how important food is and how much he needs it and how hungry he is, how miserable it is to not have food and all the different foods that he wants to eat. He would talk about how, oh God, I really want a steak right now. I really want a burger. I really want nachos. I want hot dogs. I want a quesadilla. I want mac and cheese. I want mashed potatoes. I want fried chicken. And he would go on. He had a lot of time on his hands. He would go on for like an hour listing food just listing food that he really wanted to eat. And he kind of had a bit of a, a, like a joshing, kind of a friendly, joking relationship with God. So he would say, he said, he would describe it this way. He said, when I would list all these foods and when I would get to this point where I was convinced God understood how hungry I was, how much I was wanting to eat, then I'd turn on a dime and say, but God, I want you even more. I want you even more than I want to eat a steak right now. If you're saying that you have love to offer me, well, then I want that. I want to know that even more than I want to eat a hot dog right now. If you're saying there's peace that, that goes beyond my circumstances that I can know and experience, well, then I want that. I want that more than I want to eat pizza right now. If I can connect with you, then I want that. I want to press into that more than I want you know, mac and cheese. I want you, Lord, more than I want a burger. I want you, Lord, more than I want. And then he'd go right back through all the food items. He'd go through a whole other hour of telling God how he wants that connection and what God has to offer and God himself more than any of those foods. He would just list them for another hour. Isn't that powerful? It's exercising that muscle. It's building that sense in us of what matters and what's important, what we want to prioritize and how we want to get those deepest longings of our soul met. It's building that in us. And so as we talk about fasting this morning, uh, I think it's important to note, I just want to note again, what we noted at the beginning. That, that when we're making this request, when we're pressing in, that it's not to convince God of anything. It's not to convince him to show up. It's not like we're telling him, oh, I want you so bad, and so now he'll appear. Because he's always been there. 
God is, is eager to meet with us. He's here right now. He's here when you're at home. He's here when you're on the subway. He's here when you're at work. He's here in your most crisis and desperate moments. He's here when you're excited and joy. He's always available. In fact, the way God describes himself to us is as one who would give up everything, enter into all our pain, die, all on the chance that we might turn to him and say, yeah, okay, God, I might like to get to know you. Just on the chance of that, he's willing to go through all of that already. So God is eager. He's already available. So our fasting, if we choose to engage in this practice, it's not for God. It's not for God. It's for us. It's not to appease God or to get anything from him. It's for us. It's to wake us up. It's to break us out of, of just that, that rat race, the tyranny of the, the urgent that takes over what's important. It's to break us out of that. I think of God as being like a, like a date who's very patient and waiting for us. Have you ever um, been late to a date and you're kind of running, trying to, to get to the restaurant? Maybe I'm more reflecting my own tendency to not manage time well. But, um, you know, you're, my husband can attest. And so, you know, you're running and you're, and you're like, oh, no, I hope that this person isn't too annoyed and I hope that they still wait for me. You know, I picture God being like that. Like he's already at a beautiful space. He's up for paying the tab. He's eager to meet with us and hang out with us. We're the ones who are so occupied, who are running around taking care of a million other things. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Or, oh, well, I hope that somehow the things I'm doing will already be trying to somehow meet these deep needs of my soul. I'll get around to thinking about that at some point. But when we fast, we're saying, no more. No more of that. I'm actually going to interrupt my life, and I'm going to prioritize the longings of my soul. And if there's something out there to be had from God, I want to press into that, and I want that more than I want to check Facebook right now. I want that more than I want to eat this delicious-looking muffin. And it's not that there's any magic in not eating that muffin, but it's just that not eating that muffin reminds my soul of what the real priorities are in life. Jesus says in, in his message and the teaching that we read uh, when we first started talking about this today, he says that when we fast with a kind of a sincere, from a sincere place, that God will reward us. And we've already talked about how this isn't a reward of uh, brownie points or of trying to get God to appear because he's already eager to meet with us. So what is this reward that Jesus is talking about? I think when he says reward, what he means is that there's a benefit. There's a benefit that comes from fasting. And I think one of the first benefits that comes is a clarity of vision. A clarity of how you're seeing life and how you're understanding where your priorities lie and what you want to invest in. I think that's a pretty significant benefit that comes from fasting. And then another benefit is, is increasing your your appetite for more, wetting your appetite, increasing that desire for connection, and beginning to press into it, growing that muscle that says, I'm going to reach out for more. Even if it costs me a little something, I want to reach out for what's better. And then as we press in, as we press in, I think there's a benefit that comes of discovering what God is like for ourselves, finding out for ourselves, tasting and seeing, wow, God is actually really good. There is a joy to be had here. There is a peace to be had here. Finding that out for ourselves. It's almost like, um, like we finally show up at that date and we discover 
God's actually a really great date. He's pretty amazing. Like, why didn't we do this sooner? Yes, I want to go out on another date with you. You know, you're pretty awesome. I, I, I totally want to spend more time with this amazing person, this amazing being. And so as we um, wrap up this morning, I'd like to invite the worship team to, to come up. And what I'd like to do is just invite us into a time of, of some reflection to see what's been stirring on our souls as we've been talking about this today. And what I want to do is um, just offer us a few questions that we could reflect on, okay? And if there's already something that's coming up for you, you could stay with that, or you can reflect on any or all of these questions. And so I'll present them to you, and then um, as the worship team plays, I will pray briefly. I'll give us a little space to reflect and see what's stirring, pay attention what's stirring, and then I'll close us briefly in prayer, and then we'll continue with our service, all right? So the questions that I have for us to just consider today, and again, you can go with whatever resonates and seems to strike you, seems to match what's stirring in your heart. Okay, so the first one is, are there some material things that you feel like you might lean into a little more than you care to? And there doesn't have to be. But for some of us here, there might be. There might be some things that we're like, oh yeah, I feel that. I actually want more freedom from this thing. I don't want to be so dependent or attached to it. And then a second question is, you know, as you come in today, if you come in this morning, this rainy Sunday, how are you? How are you? What is your soul wanting this morning? As you pay attention to it, what is it longing for? Are you longing for more hope? Are you wanting more joy or more peace or more strength or guidance? Where are you at this morning? What is it your soul's longing for? And as you get in touch with that, you could consider actually offering that to God and just asking him, God, you know, tell him, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm longing for. And see, oh God, what do you have to say? What does he speak in return? What does he bring to mind? Wherever you're at today, even if you're wondering, I don't know if God even exists, that's okay. You can say, God, I don't know if you exist, but if you're out there, here's how I'm doing. If you're out there, what do you think about this? And then my third question for us today is, um, as we've been hearing about this practice of fasting, is there, how is your heart responding? Is there anything in you that's saying, you know what, I'm kind of intrigued by this. I never thought I would be, but there's something about it. I do want to be jolted awake. You know? And again, I want to say here that an important caveat that, that you don't have to be in that place this morning where you feel like, oh yeah, I'm going to dive into this. Remember what we talked about from the beginning, that fasting, it's not for God, it's not for others, it's for us. It's for us. So you can tune into where you're truly at, and it's okay to be wherever you're at. I just want to invite you to actually pay attention to it. Okay? And if where you're at is that you're sensing some stirring, then pay attention to that. Instead of just feeling it and then not noting it and walking away and forgetting about it. Like actually pay attention to what's stirring and, and tune in. You know? And if you're feeling like 
Yeah, there's something about that that's that's kind of intriguing. I I want to to get jolted out of my routine. I want to pay attention to what's more important. Then explore that, and even consider what if you feel led to fast. What might it be that you would fast from? What would that look like? For what length of time? You know best where you're at and what would really be good for you. What would feel meaningful but not crushing? Because we don't want it to be crushing. So just explore. Pay attention to what's stirring in you. Right. So why don't we now? I'm just going to briefly open us, okay, in prayer, and I'm just going to leave some time for you to reflect on your own and just take this time to pay attention to what's stirring. So God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your teaching on on fasting. God, thank you that you are present here with us. And whatever is stirring, Lord, we just want to pay attention to that. Would you help us to know ourselves, to pay attention, and would you bring fruitfulness, Lord, out of this time of reflection? We give this time to you. Thank you, God. Whatever's stirring for you, I just encourage you to to continue to press into it, to consider this just a beginning of thinking and reflecting and pressing in, to hang on to what you've noticed, what's stirred and come up. Keep processing it, keep chewing on it beyond this time. So God, we thank you for what you what's stirring in us, what you've drawn our attention to, what we've paid attention to. God, we pray that um, for your help that just what's really fruitful would remain and we would continue to, to press into it. And we ask for your help, Lord, to, to move into anything that, that might be stirring, that you might be inviting us into. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's sermon. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, details about Sunday worship and brunch, to subscribe to our other podcasts, and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.